Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Friday, August 7th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 186th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. All right, to kick off the show today, as we all know, Game 4 of the Best of 5 series between the Chicago Blackhawks and Edmonton Oilers kicks off at 5.45 Central Time tonight, so this time around, thank God, we won't be up until midnight watching the game but hopefully we'll be celebrating until at least midnight once the Blackhawks take the series tonight. But with Game 4 being in just five hours or so, I wanted to take a look at both teams' projected lineups for tonight's contest. So for the Blackhawks, I don't really expect there to be any lineup changes, but head coach Jeremy Colleton could choose to jumble his middle six forwards a little bit, as both Dylan Strome and Alex Nylander have not been very good on offense so far. I expect Colleton to keep the top line of Dominic Kubalik, Jonathan Taze, and Brandon Saad together as they were much better in Game 3 than they were in Game 2. Johnny had two goals, including the game winner while that top line was on the ice, so I think they'll be put together for the fourth consecutive contest tonight, but as for the second line, this is where things get interesting for me. So far in this series, the only time Strom and Nylander have been able to get anything going offensively was when Patrick Kane was skating on that line in Game 1. Carlton now has a choice. Does he want to put Kane with Stroman Nylander to get them going on the second line? Or does he want Kane with Debrinket and Doc once again tonight as that line has been really good since being put together for Game 2 when Kajula was suspended? In my opinion, I think the Debrinket-Doc-Kajula third line was fine in Game 1 before the suspension. So if it were me, I would go and put that trio back together on the third line and then place Kane with the two kids to try and get all four forward lines going. As always, expect Carpenter, Camp, and Highmore to stick together as the fourth line as they came up huge for that game-tying goal with just under six minutes to play in Game 3. Now, they were pretty horrendous defensively in that game, especially in the first 40 minutes. They were outshot 10-1, to they allowed the Oilers six high-danger chances while they, while they were on the ice, and they didn't produce any. And this fourth line was also on the ice for both Oilers' goals at 5-on-5. Five five. Now, to me, this is partially on Jeremy Colleton, as for some reason, he was insistent on playing this fourth line against the Oilers' top six, even when the Hawks have the matchup advantage as the home team. Colleton has to be much better with his matchups for the Hawks to close this series out tonight. I know that he wants some of his better defensive forwards out there against McDavid and Dreisaitl, but it was clear in Game 3 that the fourth line could not handle those guys in significant minutes. Play them against the Oilers' top six, Jeremy, and hope for success in that role. You gotta be smarter than that. On defense... As always, I expect the Hawks to go with Keith and Boquist up top, and they had a nice bounce-back effort in Game 3 after struggling in Game 2, so hopefully we can see more of that in tonight's contest. Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy as the second defensive pairing, they've kind of struggled to put up even semi-decent possession numbers so far, but you do kind of expect that from those two defensive defensemen that the Hawks frequently put in those defensive situations, so... While we don't expect those kind of possession, we don't expect their possession numbers to be the best, it would be nice to see the DeHaan and Murphy pairing get on the possession, uh, the positive side of the Corsi rating for once. 
Mata and Cuckoo will be the Hawks' third defensive pairing. And, whew, man, have they been something offensively this series, right, right as we all expected. Um, but Mata has a point in all three playoff games so far, while Cuckoo has added a goal and two assists as well. The one negative from these two is that they haven't been the best defensively so far. They were on they were on the ice for both Oilers' goals at even strength, and Mata was also on for McDavid's power play goal. So even though those guys saw less than 14 minutes of ice time, they were right in the center of the action for basically every goal in Game 3. If they can tighten things up a little bit more defensively, then that pairing will be back up around 17 to 18 minutes tonight, hopefully chipping in for the Blackhawks on offense as they have so far in the first three games. Unless something crazy happens in the next couple of hours, Corey Crawford will be in net for the Hawks, looking for his 51st career postseason win. Quick congratulations to Crow for being just the 20th goaltender in NHL history to record 50 playoff wins, and yet some people out there still question his abilities. SMH, if you don't understand what Crawford has meant to this franchise in the last decade, then you just don't get Blackhawks hockey. But anyways, Crawford, I thought looked a lot better in Game 3 than he did in Game 4. I wouldn't call any of the Oilers' three goals soft goals or anything. And he made some big saves for the Hawks in crunch time in the second half of that second period and also in the third. And I hope that will give him some confidence heading into tonight's matchup because if he can be on his A game and keep the Oilers to three goals or less... I think the Hawks come out with a series win tonight because that offense has been very good so far. All right, Locked On Blackhawks listeners, in just a moment, I am going to break down the Edmonton Oilers projected lines for Game 4, and I'll also talk about some key matchups to keep an eye on tonight. Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, so I just finished breaking down the Blackhawks' projected lines for Game 4 tonight. We're not really expecting any major changes to their lineup, but now I want to talk about the lines the Oilers are projected to roll with. We got an update yesterday from Edmonton that forward Tyler Ennis will be out indefinitely after that awkward fall he took into the boards following a big hit from Blackhawks' rookie Kirby Dock. So Ennis will not be available for the Oilers for the rest of the series, and that's a big loss for them. He had been playing mostly in a a top-six role for the Oilers so far. In the last two games, he had been skating with Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins on that top line, and he also had one goal and one assist for two points in those first three games. So a tough break there for the Oilers, and look for either Gaten Haas or Patrick Russell to slot in the lineup in replace of Ennis, although... I don't expect either of those two forwards to be given a top six look right away. The Oilers were also without one of their better defensemen in Adam Larson for Game 3 of the series, as head coach Dave Tippett stated he was unfit to participate as expected. So that's something to keep an eye on as the Oilers hit the ice for their pregame warmups for sure. Larson is a huge part of that defensive group. 
All right, now getting into their projected lines, I think we can still expect to see Connor McDavid and Ryan Nugent Hopkins on that top line, but I think we'll either see Josh Archibald up there or we could see the speedy Andreas Athanasiu, who I personally think would be a good fit next to McDavid in his high, mo- high motor. On the second line, I think we'll continue to see Kyler Yamamoto and Leon Dreisaitl play together as they have basically done all year. But I'm interested to see whether it will be Athanasiu or Archibald with that second line. I'm just going to guess that whichever guy doesn't get the first line look will be put with Yamamoto and Dreisaitl. With Gaten Haas or Patrick Russell expected to slot into the lineup, both fourth-line guys, I wonder if the Oilers will look to bump James Neal or Alex Chason up to the third line with Riley Shahan. I think Neal is probably the best bet to jump up with that third line as he's given the Hawks defenseman some trouble with his size in the offensive zone so far. Um, but as for their fourth line, look for either Haas or Russell to jump in there with Jujar Kara slotting in at center once again, and then either Neal or Chason will be along with them. But with Ennis out of the lineup, there are so many possible combinations that the Oilers could go with on offense. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye open once they hit the ice about 30 minutes before puck drop at 5.45 p.m. Central Time. On defense, at the moment, it looks like Adam Larson has a decent shot to play tonight, and if he does, look for him to be right back on Edmonton's top defensive pairing with Oscar Clefbaum. But if Larson doesn't play, then Caleb Jones will likely slot into the lineup on the third defensive pairing as he did for Game 3, and then Chris Russell will jump up on that top pairing to play with Clefbaum. The second defensive pairing, as it has been all series, will likely be Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear. And then if Larson is able to go, that will move Russell back to his normal spot alongside Matt Benning on the third and final defensive pairing. In net, the Oilers are expected to go with Miko Koskinen once again, no surprise there. And the Hawks have been able to put up eight goals on him in his two and a half games of play so far in the series. And I think the key to all of those goals were net front presence from the Blackhawks. So often, they are trying to make the perfect, pla- the perfect passing play when they should just be focused on making the simple play, which is putting the puck on net. Get bodies in front of Koskinen, take away his vision, and redirect some pucks. That seems like the only way to beat the six foot seven netminder in this series, and that's how the Hawks were able to claw away a victory in Game 3. Look at Mata's first goal. Doc and Highmore right there causing havoc out front. Taze's first goal on the 5-on-3 was a bit of a mad scramble in front of the net, so there was a bunch of commotion going on in the crease. And then on Highmore's redirect, where was he? Oh yeah, right out in front of the net once again. And then of course Johnny gets a piece of Murphy shot for the game-winning goal, and he's out in front of Koskinen. So I think we're starting to see a trend here. The Blackhawks are scoring goals when they get to the dirty areas and make the easy plays. Right now, their defensemen are finding ways to get the pucks through to Koskinen, and the forwards have done a solid job of disrupting his vision, but they need to be more consistent with it. Throughout the regular season, the Hawks were a team that often struck in transition, but we've seen the opposite of that in this series. Right now, they're scoring goals by working hard, winning board battles, and doing all the little things well. If they can just get that same effort for a full 60-minute game, it puts them in such a better spot, and they likely wouldn't be having to climb their way back into games if they can just be more consistent. Now, I also want to mention that the Hawks did hit five goalposts on Wednesday, so things definitely could have been a lot different in that game. If just two of those go in, I'm probably talking about the Blackhawks in a little different manner right now. So 
I do think that if they play the same way they did in Game 3 on offense, I would be happy with that effort. I mean, they could have had 7 or 8 in that game if they got the bounces. Unfortunately, they didn't, but nonetheless, they were still able to steal the game right out of the grasp of the Edmonton Oilers' hands in the final few minutes. Alright, coming up in just a moment, I am going to talk about a couple of key matchups to keep a lookout for in tonight's game, and I'll also give my final prediction of the final outcome of Game 4. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey, or you can always email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that you want answered on Mailbag Monday's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. So we just finished talking about both the Hawks and the Oilers' projected lineups for Game 4 tonight, which, again... Is at 5.45 p.m. Central Time, bless up, not another 9 p.m. start for us Hawks fans here in Chicago. But now, I want to talk about a couple of key matchups to keep an eye on tonight. First, I've talked about it all week, but the special teams play is going to win this game in my opinion. The Hawks were absolutely horrendous on the man advantage in Game 3 as they went 1-6 for in total, and they also went 0-3 for in the second period with the game on the line. Not gonna lie, with that effort, they're lucky to come out of Game 3 with a victory. I've said it probably 10 times now, and you guys, I'm sure, are getting sick of it. But what needs to happen for Dominic Kubelik to get a look at the right dot? I don't get it. Johnny has always been better out in front of the net than he has at the left circle, or at the right circle, sorry. So, why do we continue to put him there? Kubelik has the best shot on the team, and without a doubt, the best one-timer. So, why aren't we giving him the looks there? It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why Jeremy Colleton won't give him that look, especially after he blasted a one-timer for a power play goal in Game 1. I just don't get it, but I do know that the Hawks will have to figure things out on that top unit in order to fix this mess. As for the penalty kill, I thought they've done a good job in the last two games to hold the Oilers to just one power play goal in both those contests. Honestly, against the best power play in NHL history, if you can just stop them from taking over the game, that's a win for the Blackhawks to me. If the Hawks allow only one goal while the Oilers are on the power play tonight, I can live with that, and I like our chances of coming out on top. Another key I want to mention for a Blackhawks victory tonight has to do with a guy that I just brought up, and nope, it's not a player. It's head coach Jeremy Colleton. You know what, Lockdown Blackhawks listeners? I'm putting my foot down. I've been backing Colleton this whole year, giving him the benefit of the doubt every time and being patient with a young coach, but enough is enough. This dude was a straight bonehead in Game 3. You're going to play your fourth line the majority of the time against the Oilers' top six when we have the last change? That doesn't even make any sense at all. I understand giving the fourth line some time against those guys, but the majority of their minutes to be against the top six, that's, that's just not smart hockey. And then the power play, Jeremy. Figure it out. We have Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Dominic Kubali, Kirby Doc, and Duncan Keith out there for Christ's sake. I mean, we could do a lot worse than that. But for the Hawks to be bottom four in the league on the man advantage during the regular season and then they continue to struggle in the postseason after game one while guys aren't in the position they're supposed to be, 
That's on the head coach. Colleton, pardon my language here, Lockdown Blackhawks listeners, but figure it the fuck out. I honestly feel like I could coach this team better right now. Sorry about that, guys, but I've been holding that in for a while. I, Colleton, he's got to be much better. The coach, come on. you got to put your guys in the best opportunity to win, and he hasn't done that so far in this series. One final key, <laughs> calm down here a little bit, one final key I have for this game is going to be secondary scoring. We knew that McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're going to come with a pep in their step for the Oilers right out of the gate, and I think the same could be said for Kane and Taze. But I think Game 4 tonight will come down to which group will help their big boys more. So far, the Hawks have done a nice job getting that third line going with Doc and Debrinkit, and then also Mata and Cuckoo have been awesome. So, for me, I think the Blackhawks walk away victorious tonight if they can beat the Oilers in the secondary scoring department because I think we all know that McDavid and Dreisaitl and then Kane and Taze, those are the guys who do the most for their respected teams, and I expect them to bring it tonight in an, elimina- in an elimination game. So I think it'll all come down to whether or not the Hawks can once again get some solid secondary scoring from a few of their role players. All right, time for my prediction for the outcome of Game 4, and I was damn close last time. Just one goal off, and I also correctly predicted Taze's two-goal performance. So this time around, my prediction is I think the Hawks win by a score of 6-3. to three. I'm feeling bold tonight, Blackhawks fans. I'm predicting a big win from the boys I think it'll be a close game through the first half of the game, but the Hawks, I think they know what they have to do right now to get the job done, and that's shots on net and bodies in front of Miko Koskinen. And I think they drill him for a six spot tonight, led by Brandon Saad, who gets two goals on the Hawks' top line. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Friday, August 7th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from the round robin and qualifying round of the 2020 postseason. As always, following a Friday, the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday, so... Don't forget to hit me on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2 or my Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for any questions at all you have about anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Or you could also always email in the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. I really, really enjoy this segment, guys, so please, if you have anything that you want to ask, don't hesitate to do so. All right, so thank you again for listening to Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Go Hawks! Let's get a big series win and move on to that first round. So until Monday's episode, please enjoy your weekend responsibly.